0: I think that we have such a negative emotional feeling whenever we say discipline, but it actually means to teach. Disciplining a child doesn't look like yelling. It doesn't look like giving punishments. It doesn't look like domineering or being a strict ruler. It means to teach. And so if you are yelling, you're not teaching.
1: Are you looking for real life, tried and true tips and tricks to help with all the nitty gritty stuff of mom life? Well, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Mom Force. Today, we are in for a real treat. We have a true parenting guru on this episode of the Mom Force podcast. Please welcome Ralphie Jacobs. Hey guys, how's it going? (laughs) I'm so glad you're here today. Last year, I stumbled upon your Instagram as you were sharing a hashtag, I am this kind of mom. And I love that so much. And I very rarely join in on that kind of stuff. But I posted a picture of me with my kids being a little wild and crazy with a note saying that I am not a perfect mom. I make all kinds of mistakes. I just hope that my kids know that I'm doing the best I can and I'm willing to say I'm sorry. I love that campaign. Did you
0: start that? Yeah, I did. And it was completely a whim, 100%. I wrote a post, quickly put the hashtag up, and it was so popular that I've been doing it a couple times a year, pushing the campaign, just to really sink into your own type of motherhood and focusing on your strengths rather than trying to perfect your weaknesses which we all know isn't possible, but really doubling down on those strengths and embracing your type of motherhood. I really think that we just don't give ourselves enough credit for the good that we do. And so it's just kind of a practice for us adult humans to look for the good that we do. But it celebrates all of
1: our differences and that there's no such thing as a perfect mom. We're the perfect mom for our
0: kids. Yes. I love that. (laughs) I love that. Yep.
1: Well, as I continue to follow you on Instagram and watch your stories, I completely fell in love with everything you are doing. And you guys, everyone out there listening, let me tell you, Ralphie shares truth. There are so many different ideas about parenting out there, but I promise what she teaches will bring you the hope and joy and the peace that we are all so desperately seeking while in the trenches of parenting. And there are 200,000 plus people following along, Ralphie. That is so impressive.
0: Oh, thanks. It's super humbling to watch the community grow. And I, I think that the reason why it so resonates with so many is that I am an everyday mom and I speak what is truth to me. And, and I try to make it be really uh, doable and really simple. I mean, that's my handle, simply on purpose. I really want it to be something that any parent should have the ability to do.
1: How did you become a parenting guru? You have kids, yes, yes. <laughs> how,
0: how many and what are their ages? Yeah, I have four daughters, and they are let's see, a uh, 13, she ten. Nell just turned ten, and Sybil's five. So I went to college. I got my degree in early childhood education. So my passion really is children. I wasn't really into like the adult psyche, (laughs) but I really love to learn how children learn and to think from their perspective and to kind of just get down at their level and feel the magic of childhood. And so that's what I had been doing forever. I uh, taught preschool. I taught in kindergarten. I developed curriculum for children's organizations, but I learned that really like I can impact them for just a moment, but they go home to their parents and their parents will impact their lives forever. So I just completely switched gears and started teaching parents what I know and what is truth to me. And it just has been super, super successful. And your whole thing is
1: positive parenting, which I have to say, it is hard to stay positive when kids are misbehaving, right? And and discipline is one of the hottest topics in our Mom Force Facebook group. So many posts asking for help in disciplining our kids. And so I was hoping that today you would help us with some of those hard questions. Oh, it would be my pleasure. I'll do my best. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Let's start with Janessa. This is her question. Mamas, I need your advice. How do you discipline your children? Or how do you respond when your kids don't listen or fight with their siblings? In our family, our main issues are teasing and screaming between siblings and not listening to rules and repeatedly asking mom for something when I've already said no and then have to tantrum when I get mad after the fifth time asking. (laughs) I can totally relate to all that. And there are two big things there, not listening and then the fighting and arguing with siblings.
0: Yeah, there's so much to unpack with just that one comment. So much. I feel like... What the biggest issue here is expectations and reacting to a child's behavior. So something that I say often is that we allow our behavior um, to be dictated by what our children are doing rather than always modeling the adult-like civilized behavior, the mature behavior. So be really careful with reacting. To things because what behavior science teaches us is that any behavior that's paid attention to is behavior that's made stronger. So a child's brain is wired in a way that it wants to please the parents and that it also is modeling after the parent because that's a survival skill. They're like little mimickers for everything. And so when people say, like, a chip off the old block or, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, it's very, very true with children that we just have to give them something that's positive to mimic. Most often parents are frustrated by their expectations for their child's behavior rather than their child's behavior itself. So if you can think rather than my kid is making me crazy and annoying me, I want you to take a step further away from your child and think about your expectations for their behavior. So am I expecting my child to respond to my call immediately. Yes, I am expecting that. Yes. Yes. It's not realistic because if you think about it, adults don't do that. I can't think of one single adult. Like as soon as I say, Hey, time to come to dinner. Well, they stop what they're doing. Stop in the middle of their conversation and come over and all the directive. They don't do it. That's true. I have different expectations for my kids than I do my husband. Yeah.
1: When I say come down for dinner, they better be there. But I don't expect my husband to come immediately. He's going to finish what he's doing, and then he's going to maybe check his email, and he'll come when he can. Yeah.
0: I think that we just want them to be obedient little robots. They're our minions, right? So you do what I say. I'm the adult. I have leverage. So you better be obedient. But children are actually better at complying than adults are. There's two steps of compliance. The first one is that they start to comply. And the second one is they fully complied. So give them at least 20 seconds to start to comply. You can get closer to them. Proximity is really important to kids and get down at their level or touch them in a safe way. Call them by name and say, Sam, I need you to come to dinner. And turn that off in one minute. What do I need you to do? And then you get them to engage and kind of parrot that back to you so that they know the expectation and that they've taught themselves, hey, I know the expectation and I'm going to do it for mom. Then they'll be so much more likely to comply if you've made sure to engage their brain. But give them a chance, like give them time to to stop what they're doing, stop the math problem that they've just started, or stop they're like in deep play. So they're playing with their Legos or their Barbies or whatever, and you need them to transition to something else because that's your adult story. Have respect for your children too. Honor your children. And I say this over and over again: like honor your kids. I know that they're hard, they go through a lot of developmental junk behavior, but hey, so do we. So really think about their potential, think about who they'll become, think about who they are now and honor them. I love that thought of honoring your children. I don't think we necessarily think of that.
1: Like you said, there are minions. (laughs) They are to do our, our bidding and follow our rules. Speaking of rules, my youngest is 12. And you would think by now I've got seven kids. My oldest is 25. I would have thought that I would have had this parenting thing figured out, but my youngest is literally making me dig deep and start from scratch. He... Quote unquote, forgets the rules. Like we have one very firm rule with him no getting on the computer without permission. Yet every single day he forgets that rule. And I want to honor him. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But at what point do I just say, you know what? You are fleecing me. You're totally lying to me. And what do I do with that?
0: I know. Well, you know what? Hey, I forget whether I've had one cookie or not. <laughs>
1: But like day after day after day of
0: like, oh yeah, I totally forgot. Like what? We talked about this yesterday and the day before and twice the day before. So when your children exhibit something that you don't like, whatever that is, instead of thinking, oh, they're doing this on purpose. This is a cruel twist of fate. I hate my life or whatever. Think more like, oh, this is cool. like This is an opportunity for me to learn how to parent better and to learn how to parent that child better and to become a better teacher. So go to your child and say, are you clear on the expectations? Because I just want to make sure. And instead of telling him what they are, ask him, what are my expectations for you as far as technology are concerned? And then when he talks to you and he tells you them, because the truth is our children already know most of the things that we're trying to tell them over and over again, write it down. Write down what he says put it on the refrigerator and say, okay, awesome. So what do you get when you follow the rules? And then he'll say, well, I get to use my computer. That's right. When you behave appropriately, then you earn privileges. And that is computer time. And then when he doesn't behave well, you can say, oh man, I'm sorry that you've denied yourself the computer time. But I know you're going to do better tomorrow. So the expectations are super crystal clear. He, it's his decision. It's squarely upon his shoulders. You're not the bad guy. You're not taking something away from him. You're actually trying to add to his life and give him happiness. I like how you said that
1: you denied yourself that privilege because he helped set the rule. And so then, you know, you get to take that privilege away from yourself.
0: Yeah, we want to give our children blessings. Like we want them to be happy. I tell my girls that all the time, like, daddy and I, we want you to be happy. Like we go out of our way to help you to have a happy life and to have a happy future. It's just based on your choices. You get to choose. Those are your decisions. And so it helps for you to be more of the guide and the counselor rather than the warden, the prison guard, the punisher. You're, you're the one and they get to make the choices.
1: Hey, how about the part about the sibling fighting, though? The teasing, the screaming, all of that, just it just makes my skin crawl. The other day, my girls were fighting about clothes. Basically, they're the same size. They share all their clothes, but sometimes they'll go after each other, and then I go in there, and I try to mediate and calm everyone
0: down and speak some reason to them, and then everything gets worse. Yeah. The social pressure with having well-behaved children is so, so strong with parents. And when our children fight in our home, it feels like violence. It feels scary. It feels like there's something wrong. There's contention. And and we have like this parental-based fear. And so we have to go in there and stop it. And when we go in and we try to stop it, it actually prolongs the argument. It not only prolongs it, but it reinforces it because now we're giving parental attention. And it triangulates it too. We're adding a third person into the conflict. And a lot of parenting experts, they'll say that there's a difference between sibling rivalry and sibling conflict. Sibling conflict is just between siblings. And sibling rivalry is when a parent inserts himself in the into the conflict. So children are rivaling for the parent's attention. And if you
1: insert yourself, chances are they're going to sense some rivalry because it's, it's hard to be completely unbiased. Like I tend to take the younger kid's point of view and then the older kid feels neglected.
0: And it actually polarizes kids even more because what we have a tendency to do is in order to make a decision about what's happening, we throw out a label. You're being mean. Stop picking on them. Uh, can't you see that she's trying to get along with you, but you're not listening to her? You know, over and over again. So we're supposed to just stay out of it. Well, here's the trick: over ninety percent of sibling rivalry or sibling conflict is inconsequential. That means it, it doesn't deserve a second of your time. There's no consequence that should be attached to it by the parent because it has natural consequences. So it doesn't need your attention. Usually they'll resolve it on their own. I talk about this in my workshops and on my audio course, like how many things they learn through their arguing. I promise you, my, my household is very much the same as other people's homes. My children have not necessarily changed 100%. I have changed, me, my perspective has changed. And so when I hear my kids arguing, instead of thinking I need to go in there and stop that, they're being mean to each other. I can't believe they're behaving like this. Haven't I told them before, et cetera, et cetera. I think to myself, they're safe in my home. They're vulnerable. They are human. And they know that they can do that with each other because there's unconditional love and they're learning so much. Are
1: there sometimes words that could be said between
0: siblings that
1: do damage?
0: Yes. Remember, most of the stuff that kids do is inconsequential, the stuff that you don't like well over 90%. But there are times when they do hurt each other and it escalates and it continues to get worse. So like they'll start to verbally attack each other. Like you're dumb, you're stupid, or you don't know anything. Yeah. I can't handle that. Right. Or they'll, they'll kick each other or throw punches. And it just depends on the parents tolerance level. So my recommendation to parents is to build your tolerance. A lot of parenting is endurance and to remain safe and to allow your children to respond and react to each other and learn from each other's cause and effect. But once it gets to a place where you're like, you know what, this is, this, is, this is where it bumps over into consequential. For me, in my home, these are the absolutes. These are things that I do not allow in my home. You can engage. And so what that looks like is a really quick strategy called stop, redirect, reinforce. The stop step is you call them by name and you say, Julie, you are not allowed to behave like that in my home. What are you supposed to be doing right now? So that's the second step that's redirect. So you ask them the expectation. Like I said before, with your 12-year-old son, they almost always know what they're supposed to be doing. So they'll say, well, even if she's mean to me, I'm supposed to keep my hands to myself. And you say, yeah, that's right. That's a really good answer. And I'm glad to know that you know what I expect you to do. And then walk away. And the the strongest step is number three, where you reinforce. And parents don't do, like, we forget, like, oh, we have got to, like, give them positive feedback when they're behaving well. So go back in, like, a minute or two minutes and say, I am so glad that you guys are talking about how to resolve this in a mature way. Thank you so much for being kind to each other and then you you walk off.
1: The next question is about the terrible twos. This is a question from Julia about her two-and-a-half-year-old. And And I have to admit, it's been a while since I've had a two-year-old, but I do remember being tested to my absolute mental limits with a strong-willed toddler and sometimes doing and saying ridiculous things like, if you don't put your jacket on, I'm going to leave without you. Like, who would do that? I would never do that.
0: I love that threat. That's one of my favorites.
1: (laughs) Well, this is Julia's question. She says, how do you discipline a a two-and-a-half-year-old? I need something that I can do consistently and everywhere. Is there a simple answer to that? Well. <laughs> and what about in public? In public is the worst. You know, in the grocery store when they have an
0: ultimate meltdown? It is hard. And again, going back to that social pressure, remember that parenting, is, it's not a social matter. It's not. I mean, we make it social because we are like fear-based. Honestly,
1: When I see a mom struggling with a tantrum in a grocery store, my Mm -hmm. heart goes out to them. I want to just pick up that baby and and calm them down because I've been there. It is not.
0: I know. I know so many of us have compassion when we see it and we want to help. But I think that when we're in the moment and it's our child, it's embarrassing. So it's not a social matter. It's it's emotional, it's spiritual, it's, but it's something that you decide in your own home and you make purposeful decisions for it. So separate yourself and the decisions that you make from society, like, cause we can't allow social pressure to dictate how we parent our kids. Cause if we do, it'll turn out pretty negative. Is there something developmentally in a two and a half year old though, that we
1: should be thoughtful of and mindful of as we're trying to discipline?
0: Yeah. So I love how she, how she framed that question. What she said is how do I discipline? How do you discipline your two and a half year old? And I just want to remind everybody that the word discipline, it doesn't mean punishment. I think that we have such an emotional, negative emotional feeling whenever we say discipline, but it actually means to teach. So disciplining a child doesn't look like yelling. It doesn't look like giving punishments. It doesn't look like domineering or being a strict ruler. It means to teach. And so if you are yelling, you're not teaching their brain is not even in the thinking mode, in the thinking part of the brain.
1: You're probably teaching them the wrong thing if you lose your cool and yell. And
0: Right. I mean, well, that is true. You are, you are always teaching your child something, but what they're thinking is, I want to get away from them, I want to avoid them, or I just want to fight back. So when you say, I want to discipline my child, yes, of course, we all want to discipline our children, but that means we want to teach our children. So one of the many reasons why children misbehave, and many experts by the way, say that there's no such thing as misbehavior. It's only stress behavior. So one of the reasons why a child misbehaves is that they don't have the ability to perform. So think to yourself instead of they're, you know, they're making me late for yoga class or whatever. Think to yourself, why? Why why is this happening and how can I help? Like what can I do? better? How can I teach better? Or how can I set them up for success better so that they aren't stressed? Do they need better sleep? Or am I trying to grocery shop during lunch, uh, during nap time? Are they hungry? Are they overwhelmed with their schedule, with the expectations that I give them, or with the environment that they're in right now? Children are good. They're inherently good. And they, they want to please their parents. So think about what can I do to help? How can I be more proactive? in this situation. With a two-year-old, there's some disagreement about like redirection, but I love it. I love redirection with little toddlers and not redirection as in like you're totally distracting them from their emotions. What I mean is redirection is that you're you're noticing what they need or what they want or what they're trying to do. And then you can speak to that. Like, so let's say for example, a child is trying to get a toy that's on the top shelf. And so they start climbing up the shelves. So you could say, you want that toy that's up there and you're trying to think of a way to get to it. Let me show you a safe way to get to it. So you put the stool up there and you say, here, climb up. This is a safe way to get to the toy that you want. So you're always with a two-year-old or three-years-old or four-years-old, you as a parent should focus all of your energy, all your resources, your time to teaching your child what they should be doing.
1: You know, I remember when my Henry was, oh, he was probably two or three, my mom was visiting and he was in that phase where everything was no, no, everything I asked him. And my mom's like, give him something else to say. And so we trained him instead of saying no to say, okay, mom, I will Except it always came out like, okay, mom, I will. You know, his gr- husky, grumpy voice. He often didn't really want to do what I said, but it gave him something else, like proactively and positive, that it almost became impossible for, for him to be disobedient. Oh, it was like I a love miracle. That. That's so cute. It <laughs> didn't really work on my youngest. however. Yeah, some so. kids it doesn't
0: work on, and some does. it works on really well. Think of something else rather than the negative form. So parents will say, get off of that. Stop doing that. Don't touch that. Don't touch anything. So all that saying to your kid is don't have fun. That's so much negativity. Right? Yeah. Like, okay, oh, what, what can I do? Or what should I be doing? And so instead of saying, you know, no, stop, knock it off, think, use your time and your energy. Those are limited resources for a parent to teach them what they should be doing. Talk about what they can do. Let's go
1: from the toddler to the teenager because that is, that's my meat and potatoes right now. I remember as a teenager myself really struggling with respect. Like I remember being disrespectful on purpose. I needed to express myself and I was going to sass <laughs> my way through it. And Monique on our Facebook group, she's also struggling with this. She says, I need help. What are some ways you handle your kids talking back and giving you sass?
0: What teenagers do really well is they intimidate. So they kind of puff themselves up, make themselves look bigger because anger like, is a secondary emotion. It's always hiding things that are more vulnerable, like fear, anxiety, shame, guilt, um, just being embarrassed. So they'll puff up and they'll intimidate. And, um, one of those great ways to intimidate or to gain leverage, they'll try to do it too, because they, they look like an adult, right? They have a big body like an adult. So they'll try to gain leverage like an adult and they'll backtalk or they'll try to be in control of the situation. And that's how, that's how they gain control. When a child is a teenager, your control over them is supposed to be decreased. You are just supposed to be the one that they are inspired by, you know, you influence what they do, but you no longer have control. You're not the enforcer. Mm -hmm.
1: That is such a new way of thinking, a mind shift. Yes. You are there to inspire them. Yeah. But when they act like they hate you. So here's a wonderful way to inspire
0: a teenager. And this was a study that was done by Glenn Latham. He would take teenagers even in like correctional facilities, and he would give them a directive or he'd have their parents do it. And he said that even the teenagers that would like spout out foul language and yell and threaten to hit, that he would be calm and talk to them in an empathetic way, be compassionate. And he says that 98 out of 100 times. By the third directive, they'll comply if you're safe. That's probably easier if you recognize what the other emotions
1: are. Exactly. The fear, the anxiety, the insecurity.
0: Yeah. And one of my favorite ways to do that is uh, just the little phrase, just like me. So that helps with toddlers. It helps with elementary school age and teenagers. Like my teen, when she has a lot of deadlines pressing up against her, she gets frantic. Just like me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In like perfectionist mode. And she doesn't want anybody to talk to her. And that's totally just like me, you know? So I think to myself, instead of like, that was rude. (laughs) I'll say just like me, like I struggle with that too. And I I could be better at that too. So it's okay that she has a hard time with that. So yes, be compassionate and and stay safe. If you stay safe, your children are so much more likely to comply. Number one, they're more likely to apologize to you later as well because they see you as their North Star. They see you as the person that they want to become. The other thing that you can do is do a really quick cue and you can ask them if you feel like your child will be able to do this. You can say, try again. Oh, it's a do-over. We do that in our family. Yeah, it's just a do-over. Just try again. And they'll, they'll usually be like, oh, okay, yeah, that was, I, I was not thinking, I just, well, I just wanted my objective and I didn't say it the right way. So I'm going to try it again. I love how you talk about modeling the apology.
1: Like we expect our kids to apologize when they make mistakes, but it's really hard for parents sometimes to say, you know what, I didn't handle that very well because we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes too. And we're supposed to ask for f- their forgiveness as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, how else are they going to learn what a sincere apology looks like if we don't come to them and say, "Ah, I I messed up. I'm so sorry. I was stressed out, and and I took it out on you, and that wasn't fair. Will you forgive me?"
1: You are magic, Ralphie. Seriously, <laughs> this the topic today was discipline, which felt heavy and scary and stressful, and you've brought so much light and hope and. I love that, that discipline is teaching and there's so much optimism in that. So great. Do you have any last words of encouragement for all of us parents out there? One last message.
0: Oh man, I I guess my message is always of hope. There is always hope. It's never too late to make positive changes. So never feel like, oh, you know, my kids are all grown or I've already yelled at them seven times today. It's never too late. I would be so grateful if my grandmother um, made a positive change. I just want to give you new opportunities. I I want to give you ideas and inspiration so that you can make your family stronger and that you can walk on that path of hope and inspiration for, for your family and for the betterment of all mankind, really, because our children are the heroes that we're looking for. They're the people that will change our lives for the better in the future. And And it's just a wonderful responsibility of ours to be their guide as they walk this journey of life.
1: That's so great. Well, our mission here at Chatbooks is to strengthen family. And I feel like that's your mission too, with everything that you're putting out there, all of your free content, so much great free content. Guys, you got to follow her simply on purpose on Instagram. Where else can they find information about your audio course and your workshops?
0: Yeah, I have a website called simplyonpurpose.org and I do have an audio course, which will just help you to develop that new positive language, how to talk to your children, how to respond to things in a proactive way so that you can be a happier, more joyful parent. Perfect. Thank you so much for your message of hope. You're the best. (laughs) You're welcome.
1: Thank you so much for being here with us. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and let us know what you think. Also, check out the show notes for links to the things we talked about. And you can find a special Chatbooks discount code. All right, we'll see you next week.